electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks very much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the biggest day of the week for your money. That's what this is, the Fed decision just two hours away now and Meta's mega earnings report looming in over time. We'll get you set for both of those market movers with the investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Degas Wright, Steve Weiss, and right here on set with me today, Liz Young, Jim Labenthal, Joe Terno. We have a supersized group because we have a supersized day. Let's check the markets, see where the trade is ahead of those big events. It's green across the board. I guess Microsoft and Alphabet somewhat saved the day here. You've got the Dow up 156, 31.9, S&P 500 at 39.78. That's one and a half percent. NASDAQ, because of those two earnings reports I just mentioned, up 300 points. And the 10-year note yield at 277. Liz Young, big decision, 2 o'clock, two hours from now, followed by the news conference, 75. No surprises, right? Or, or you think there might be a surprise? Jerome Powell does not like surprises. There will be no surprise today, in my opinion. I think the market is excited that we're about to get this behind us. This continues to be one of the biggest weeks of the summer. But here's the thing. We still have GDP tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We still have to get through that. We're trying to confirm what everybody thinks, which is that we're in a recession. I'm actually worried that GDP comes in marginally positive, and then we're looking around the corner for, well, where is the recession? But I think in this moment, and starting in August, the market will be satisfied. Inflation starts to cool. The economic data has started to cool. Earnings have been revised downwards somewhat. And the market is going to start to bounce, I think, in August. Did you tell our producers today, quote, it's irresponsible to not be in the market? Did you say that? (laughs) Is Steve Weiss here today? (laughs) (laughs) Because... You, I think, were cautious for a bit. I was. Now it sounds like you're turning a little bit. Yeah, so, so my message was that it was okay to have a larger-than-usual cash position through the end of July because I wanted to get through some of this data. Okay. Now it's been more than half of the year. We're investors. We're here to recognize the risk-reward, and I think for the rest of the year, we have more reward opportunity, and it's time to make sure that you don't have a larger-than-usual cash position. Let's talk about that, Joe. Has the risk-reward equation improved for investors? Or are we kidding ourselves? I mean, you're asking someone who was saved by Microsoft's guidance. Otherwise, I'd be talking about getting stopped out of my Q position. So uh, I'm keeping my my time horizons very short right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have a position that represents being long risk significantly and being long the Qs. Do you feel better being long risk today than you did you know, I don't know, a few weeks Sitting ago. Sitting on the set with you last night, seeing 40% yeah. growth for Azure. Of course, 100%. But I will tell you today, just as Microsoft's guidance saved uh, my Q position and really saved the market today, I need some guidance from the chairman. I, I, 75 basis points, that's baked in. We know that. I need some guidance. I need to understand a little bit how he thinks the doubling in the size of the balance sheet runoff on September 1st is going to affect 
conditions within the market and liquidity. And remember, this is the last chance for him to really address that. Um, I, I think we're spending too much time kind of focus on rate hikes and enough, enough time understanding that the real cause for where we are right now is this significant expansion of the balance sheet. We're not really talking about that too much. I want to go back to the stocks for a second, because to your question, are we fooling ourselves or is there a tone shift here? I think Google is, is an important canary in the coal mine here. They missed. Google missed last night. Stock's up. Market's up. Triple Q's are up. Happy for you, Joe. Um, that's a way of saying that the expectations going into Google's print were too negative, as the expectations were going into the whole earnings season. I am not for one second saying that this is some fabulous earnings season. We are getting slightly better than expectations, and it's still positive growth. But let's face it, that positive growth year over year is the lowest it's been since the pandemic. Still, the expectations were just simply too low. So we can talk about the Fed, and I know it's important. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But for me, as a portfolio manager, Google's response today is critical. Not great, but less bad than feared. Is that the way That's you it. sum up Google That's and it. Microsoft, which, was, by the way, was a Microsoft, I'm sorry, Scott, I'm cutting you off, but Microsoft, the guidance, right? It was good. It was really good. That's what we wanted. Well, what what seemed to turn that stock and maybe, you know, helps where we are today is that comment that I read in overtime from the CFO who said no drop off in in deals with large customers. That was one of the big concerns going in is that where's enterprise among all of the other issues, the currency and and uh, and some of the other uh, Would you give areas me one more minute on this, please. Oh, that's a remarkable because, comment, by the way, because that's it is very strong guidance. And it's in Turn keeping with what the airlines have said. They don't see the effect of the recession. It's in keeping with what the banks said. I mean, Jamie Dimon said, yeah, we're preparing for the hurricane, but, you know, we don't see it yet. It's in keeping with even what the Boeing CEO said. We'll get to that later. But he again said, like many companies, I understand the recession is what we're fearing. We're just not seeing it in our results yet. Yeah. So I just wonder, we'll get to Stephen Degas in a minute, but I want to bring in Leisman um, because I got to let him bounce in a little bit because of obvious reasons has to get ready for what what's going to take place this afternoon. Um, You're not expecting anything surprising today, are you, Steve? No, but I'm not sure how Powell's going to answer questions that we're going to ask about the future. Um, I'm I'm with Joe. I, I I need the guidance. We all need the guidance, and I'm not sure that Powell's prepared to give it. These are the this is the important uh, outcome of this meeting today is what he tells us about the future, and I don't think he's ready to do it. So I think there's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting tap dance by the chair here. Uh, he gets two more inflation reports. We get that uh, important GDP number tomorrow morning, and the claims number is something to watch. Uh, so it's an evolving, moving economy. In fact, it moved today where uh, uh, you had a bunch of uh, economists upgrade their second quarter GDP forecast as a result of the data that came out this morning. So less likely to be negative right now, still in line with slowing uh, a slowing economy, but uh, uh, not necessarily negative tomorrow morning. I mean, he, he's held the market's hand pretty tightly um, all along the way, right? There haven't been any surprises. I mean, he's been more transparent than I think I remember any Fed chair in recent times being in terms of telling you, yeah, we're going to do 75 and we may do 75 next time, too, uh, in ways that a few other Fed chairs, I think, would be willing to do. The question is now, because there's not a meeting again until September, whether he is willing to be as specific with us as he's been in the past. And if he's not, what the market takes away from that. So, Scott, I'm I'm going to agree and disagree with you. He has been very transparent about where he's going, but there is also the lack of a framework here. Remember, we lived in a regime of Greenspan saying, basically telling us we were going to going to raise a quarter point every meeting. 
Um, I can remember regimes under Bernanke and Yellen where it was very clear what the path ahead was and how the Fed would react. Um, I think people are confused right now as to what a recession would mean for the Federal Reserve and inflation here. I want to know how much he's going to lean on a contraction of the economy. Does that mean the Fed stops rates? Does it go down? And I will show you one chart, Scott, which, well, first of all, take a look at the Fed rate outlook chart. And, and this is really a major question for the market and to, as to whether or not equities are relying on this as well. What you see is that we hit this peak of 341 uh, in, in January, 343 in February, and then we come down pretty precipitously over the next you know, several months. Is that right? Is the market correctly priced? You saw what's happened to, um, uh, uh, to uh, uh, the 10-year down in the 280 range after having been up near 350. So is that, that kind of easing, is that a problem for, for Powell? And then you have this thing, I guess you call it the, um, the Ackman quandary, which is the more that the market thinks that the uh, uh, rates are not going to go up, the, the, the easier financial conditions can become and the more the Fed may have to raise interest rates. Uh, and just one other chart I brought along here, Scott, was look at the 50-50 split on what happened in September, 50 for 75, 50 for 50. That's where the market is priced. So there's a debate about what happens right now. And it may be that you're right, that Powell can't be any more transparent than he is because he doesn't know. I read a, a quote today um, from a, a strategist at, at a firm. It said there's a real risk that the market is not taking seriously the threat of inflation and Powell's commitment to fight it. Um, that would play off of what you're talking about, about we're actually pricing in rate cuts at, at this point. Um, do you think the market's offsides to how resolute Powell is is intending to be? Well, Remember the old ABA, Scott, where you have two chances to make three? I, I think the market's got two chances to be right here. The first is that inflation actually does come down. And the second is that you have this recession and it forces the Fed to come down. So there's two chances for the market to be right on this. I, I am concerned that the market is, is too uh, optimistic about what's going to happen to rates and that the Fed is going to be too successful. Remember, smart guys like Larry Summers are out there thinking you may have to have a four or a five handle on the funds rate in order to do this. There is something, though, which is interesting, uh, capital economics writing just that, that they think that the market is offsides on this issue of, the, of, of, of rate cuts next year. And, and the other thing that is out there, Scott, is we may not yet have felt the impact of the, of the Fed rate hikes in the economy. That could be six months to a year down the road. The argument is that we're feeling right now the impact of higher prices, higher oil prices on the economy, and that's what's slowing it. And the Fed rate hikes, except for perhaps in the housing market, haven't really begun to bite yet. How much disagreement, I'll use that word rather than agreement, how much disagreement in the room do you think there is on how far past neutral they need to go? Because I, I have the, the feeling, I think, is that there's maybe more disagreement than one would, would think. There, there could be. So uh, I think you're asking the right question, which unfortunately I don't necessarily have an answer to. And I, I think what you're pointing out is, is absolutely correct. There's good agreement right now to get to where they're going, to get to this two and a half, three percent range. And I think they're going to get to three. Like I've said before, uh, Powell and the Fed have an appointment with three percent. I think they're going to get there. And then the debate begins. And I think it's going to be data dependent, even though I know that's a cop out answer. It's the one we're likely to hear from Powell today. No, I mean, because you have had some perhaps suggest, you know, four percent. Right. You know, you just don't know. And, and how spirited the debate exactly. around that be, becomes. I mean, there, there, are, there are reports out there, Scott, that we're going to see deflation in several key parts of the indicators coming up in the next several months. Uh, uh, things like the retail inventories are leading people to think we're going to have some pretty stark declines out there. That's really going to help uh, Powell along. And that's going to change the outlook, I think, and make 
people like uh, my friend Jim Labenthal much happier than he perhaps is right now. <laughs> all right. We shall see. Uh, we will see you uh, yeah, by thanks, the way, later on. I look forward to seeing you, Steve. Yeah, and we too. all uh, look forward, of course, to hearing your question to the Fed chair as well. That's that's Steve Leisman. So let, let's do this. Let's turn our attention to uh, Meta, which reports after the bell, of course, in overtime tonight. So Steve Weiss, um, how would you sum up what we got from Alphabet and Microsoft and how that would make you think about what Facebook could deliver this evening with me in overtime? I, I think they're completely different stories. I'd sum up uh, Alphabet, I'd sum up Microsoft as exactly as you did, not as bad as feared, and that the market tends to be more optimistic than not. So, so look, it was a pop. I think when I was on the set yesterday, I may have said to you, you know, during the break, market's going to be up tomorrow because it's pretty obvious the market wants wants to go up and wants to go up most of the time. It doesn't mean that's a sustainable direction. And I don't think it's any time. I don't think it's ever irresponsible to worry about managing risk and not feeling you have to be invested. If that were the case, the people that were invested from the top all the way to the bottom as your average stock in OTC is down 50 percent. Maybe they should be, you know, drawn and quartered or shot for capital offenses rather than being irresponsible. Now, in terms of meta, so you couldn't to me, just you couldn't you couldn't resist need- you couldn't resist uh, clapping back at at Liz for mentioning your name, and she's the one who who said it's irresponsible to not not be in the market. Don't think I didn't catch right. that. I know exactly. Why, why should I, I resist it? I know exactly it. who well, you again, are and where we're Scott, going Scott, with this. Scott, let me ask you a question. Let yeah. me ask you a question. Why yeah. should I resist? Why are you asking me? Why should me? I resist? If I've got a different point of view, I'm going to get Because you asked me the question. You're on the That's committee why. now. He's the, the he's so host. you got to play the game, my friend. So, look, here's what I'd say about Meta. Meta. We don't know what it's going to be. There's a great article in the journal about, you know, the all hands on deck, the really pushing to the next evolution of the company. We don't know what they will be. What they are doing is they're running against the clock from competing forces like TikTok, from seeing their their ad business getting crushed by changes that Apple have made. So it's a company that's a great company, or legacy is it's a great company, but has a very, very uncertain future. So if the company can't define that direction with certainty, or if you're willing to bet on the well, metaverse, which, by the way, hasn't really performed, then good luck to you. I'd rank, frankly rather own a Microsoft or rather own an Alphabet. So I'd rather not own a meta. Okay. So, look, it could pop based on the quarter for sure, but can I'm a, not going to be there. For can it. a company that has, I mean, these are, these are legitimate questions, I think. Can a company that has right. a billion users uh, have a quote-unquote uncertain future, very uncertain future, like you, you just said. Yes, they have issues. Maybe they've adjusted, though, Degas. You sure. own the stock. Maybe they've finally adjusted to the changes that, that Apple has made. Yes, they reported their first-ever overall decline in users last quarter. They could report their first decline ever in revenue this quarter. Maybe the worst is over, though. Maybe it is. Are, are you thinking that yes, it is, or, or are you braced for... The worst, as Kramer characterizes it today, the knives are out. Uh, maybe they're not going to be able to get anybody. Well, Scott, you know, we're long-term holders, first of all. But I think what you want to do as we talk about the metaverse, and this goes back to what Steve said, the metaverse is not a product. It is a platform. And so what Meta is doing is, one, is that they're developing a three-tier data system, They are also developing the application programming interface, the APIs, and also they're expanding the developer ecosystem. 
And what this does is that it gets into the use cases. And so you have, and we all know about the uh, education aspect of the metaverse. You know, you think about the uh, surgeon that's practicing how to do a surgery. We also have gaming. We're all accustomed to that but also entertainment. One of the things I was thinking about, it'll be great to get season tickets to my favorite college football team, Army, and be in that stadium with the cadets and the football players. Mm -hmm. But lastly, it's the social. And this is similar to what uh, Sims, that game that I think my, my kids really loved. And so now we're moving into the social, and I think that has a lot of opportunities because you just mentioned there's over 3 billion users on WhatsApp, Instagram, Messenger. They also have about 30 million businesses on those uh, applications. Mm -hmm. So you have a ready user base for this for these applications. The the issue, Joe, on, on this whole metaverse thing is, as Diga says, it's it's not a product. It's it's a platform. You could make the argument today. It's it's not a product. It's not a platform. It's a pipe dream, because it's going to cost so much money, and before they realize any gain from it, we're, we could be talking 10 years from now. How do we know? Absolutely. How do we know? Now, nonetheless, the stock's been cut in half. The way I see it today is the value is really Instagram. And I think if Meta is going to beat tonight or surprise the street, and, I, and listen, intuitively, they've had so many consistently bad quarters. You have to think they're going to come up with a decent quarter and exceed very low expectations that management's going to respond to that. How does management respond to that, though? They spend less. They manage their expenses better. They manage their operating expenses. They manage their capex better. That's the way they could navigate an environment where they know that they're going to see a revenue decline, and that's the way they get to a, a potential beat. And that's where the, the verbiage from Zuckerberg is exactly what you just said, right? He's telling you know freeloaders and coasters to get out of the company. He wants only the people who are going to work their tails off. That's what you do in a crisis. I would be remiss. Let me, let me ask this question, Scott. Oh, please. Scott, let, let me ask you some more Interesting, interesting, you. interesting you. timing. Thank you. Interesting timing as I was turning back Thank to Liz you. Young. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, let me ask don't this question. Don't think I don't know what this is about, too, but go ahead. Meta, Scott. Go ahead. Sorry, Scott, sorry to raise the intellectual comment of the show. I know you're uncomfortable with that. But let me, let me, let me raise this point. For all the people that are saying, and Degas, you're welcome to answer this, how are you modeling that out? You buy a company because of the value of the future cash flows. What cash flows, what earnings are you assigning to the metaverse? Or is it all in faith? If it's all in faith because you believe in Zuckerberg, that's great. But tell me what the fundamental basis is for owning the stock here based on the metaverse. Degas? Well, you know, Steve, you know, I'll answer that because ultimately what we're looking at is free cash flow. And also how much cash Meta has on its books right now. It has about... Uh, 14 billion dollars in cash. cash sitting on their balance sheets, and also they are depleting cash. Debt. You're spending so this is cash. A company that, yeah, but Steve, they have the investment to do that, and they are very so you know, very efficiently managing their cash right now. With 14 billion, that's about nine percent of their total assets in cash. All right, I think we. I think they spent I, I, 10 billion on this so far. <laughs> that's cash. Gone. I'm going to let Liz have the last and word also, on this segment. <laughs> I'm just going to do that. And, and I'm going to pivot topics a little bit here. So I, I also want to clarify, I don't think it was irresponsible to have more in cash for the first half of this year. But I think in the second half, we're going to see surprising leadership out of the market. 
I don't think, however, that that leadership is going to come from big cap tech. I think that when you see the Fed funds rate start to approach the rate on the 10-year Treasury, there's going to be a little bit of consternation in those tech names. So I think you're going to see leadership out of consumer names after they've gotten killed more here. I think you'll see leadership out of financials. And I think that the market has a chance to rally through the end of the year. However, this yield curve inversion at the twos, tens, and the fact that inflation is not solved does still open the question of do we have a bigger recession and a bigger problem sometime in the next 12 months. Okay. Lastly, Joe, before we take this break, uh, you sold Palo Alto? Stop out. Stop out. Stop out. Uh, you sold Generac. Sold Generac. Waited. Terrible trade. I was in this trade at basically 290. I got down as low as 210. I said when it was at 210, if we were going to get any type of recovery rally in the stock, that I would be a seller of it. We got exactly that. Move on. Take your loss. I think that's the right strategy in this environment. Okay. We'll have more on big tech next. Uh, Apple and Amazon, of course, report tomorrow. Qualcomm is tonight. We have trades from the committee on those coming up. We're back in just two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, let's get you set for some more earnings. Qualcomm reports tonight in overtime. My man Jim Labenthal owns that. What are your expectations? Uh, you know, we got the China lockdowns that we're going to ha- obviously hear about. Got some currency stuff. They're in mobile. What I are you thinking? Don't, I don't think this is the company that does the kitchen sink. I'm going to come out and say that. I'm going to take a stance. I think this is the company that beats this earnings season. Um, I know that's risky to say in the sort of earnings season and where mobile telephony is in China, both on the supply and the demand side. But what I've seen from this company, particularly in the last two years, is operational excellence. And that operational excellence, in part, derives or shows itself, rather, in the diversification away from smartphone into automotive into Internet of Things, which are great growth areas, and also away from Apple. Now, perversely, and I know this is talking out of both sides of my mouth, Scott, but perversely, during this quarter, Apple gave some indications that they're going to use Qualcomm chips a little longer than expected. So 
I just see operational excellence and room for an upside surprise. I also find the multiple is incredibly forgiving at 11 and a half times earnings. Do you think after Texas Instruments and NXPI, we are coming out of the down cycle for semis? That is a great question. Can I answer it tomorrow? Because here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. You know that you know my answer is yes. But here's the thing. You had Micron give a real stinker of a report, okay? Then you had Samsung in Taiwan and NXPI give great uh, guidance. I think the advantage is to the bulls in semis. I'd like to see a good report from Qualcomm to really Let me solidify that. Say this. Uh, how can you be so sure? I'm not sure of anything, Scott. If, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm not so, sure But I know anything. if you bring up NXP and, and Texan, what if I just say, well, they're in the right places. Their chips are going into areas that are hot. Chips are going into areas where you're talking about that are not. I, 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 I see where you're going. I disagree. Here's why. You know, when we give the rub on where things are not hot, it's PCs, right? That's not where Qualcomm is. Now, you can make there's the question argu- about mobile. Uh, there's a question about mobile. Big questions there, about more than questions about there's mobile. a question about mobile. I'm going to go back to what I said, not because I'm, I'm not just to repeat myself, but this diversification away from mobile telephony is a really important part of the thesis that Qualcomm's multiple should be a lot higher than 11 and a half times. OK. All right. We'll see. We, we will see. We, we'll see. we will see. Uh, I'm sure I'll hear from you, too, uh, in overtime one way or the other. Um, we have a full show. I can't put you on, but I'll hear from you nonetheless. Don't cancel any <laughs> afternoon meetings this time. <laughs> Apple and Amazon. All right. So we get Meta. Then I'll be three down, two to go. So, Degas, give me your view here on Apple first. Are you optimistic going in with a stock that's up 20 percent from its low in June? I'm optimistic, and the reason being is that I feel that the 825 million users in that uh, Apple ecosystem are going to support on EPS and also revenues. We also see how Apple Pay is taking over. I mean, you can start using Apple Pay now in about 150 different venues. And then last but not least, about 60 million Apple Music users. So from a user perspective, I see growth there, and I see uh, a positive uh, paper here. All right. Uh, Weiss. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention Qualcomm CEO on Tech Check tomorrow morning. Please don't miss uh, Cristiano Oman. You don't want to miss that tomorrow morning on Tech Check. Uh, Amazon. Weiss, you sold Amazon at some point, right? You mentioned that to me. In, in, uh, there he is. Yep. Uh, you mentioned that to me in, in overtime. What are we to think about this? Does Walmart's warning give you any warning about what could happen here? Yeah, I, I think it does have to give you pause. And and when you t- take a look at Alphabet's report, they lost close to a billion dollars in cloud. And what's that mean? That means they're coming for the business. So you may, in fact, see some pricing pressures there. Look, growing 40 percent as as, uh, as Microsoft did in cloud, great. And you'll see great growth in Amazon. But I think you have to look at that. Andy Jassy, I think, is doing a great job. And it may take a few quarters to flesh out because he's finally focused on profitability. So I'll be back at Amazon at some point. Maybe it's after this quarter. Uh, on Apple, I'll be back also. I actually think Apple misses this quarter because the consumer's been stretched. And it's a retail company, much more so, I believe, than it is a technology company because they sell directly to the consumer primarily. So I think you've got to be a little concerned about both. They're not devastating blows for the company under any circumstance, under any uh, you know, scenario. Mm-hmm. So if they do crash, then I don't think they'll crash. But if they do come down meaningfully, I'd be a buyer. Joe, uh, you own Amazon. 
I mean, the stock's been a tremendous disappointment, right? Down 29% year to date. And now we have these new questions, maybe because of Walmart or, or we already had these questions. Walmart just made us think a little harder about it. Yeah, I think we also need some clarity on the currency headwind for Amazon. Uh, we'll, we'll hear about that as well. So uh, um, this is of all the big cap names. And obviously, I purchased Amazon at a much higher level. So I've got a significant loss in the stock. Where'd you purchase it at? Remind us. You remember? <laughs> Do I have to? Yeah. I think I bought it April 1st. People have called it the April Fool's trade. I think it was somewhere around 3300 I mean, it, it couldn't have been. Who's laughing? Is that you, Steve? You laughing at me? Couldn't have been any higher. Pre-split. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm laughing at the Obviously. April Fool's trade. Yeah. I've had a few could, It couldn't have been any worse. Yeah. Uh, and this, obviously, of all the mega caps, is the one name that I feel the least confident about. Really? You feel more confident about meta than you do this? I think Meta sets up for the potential surprise because what Jimmy and I were talking about, that management is going to address the expense issue as a way to defend against revenue decline. Okay. Degas, you own Amazon as well. Uh, What are your thoughts ahead of this report? You know, I actually uh, agree with Joe on this one. This is the company that I have the least confidence in um, on this particular print. So, Mm. uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Why do you have the least confidence in this one with Joe? Give me more. Yeah, so ultimately, we still see that the earnings multiple is still relatively high, so it can still come down. It's about 48 times EBITDA, so we can still see that come down. Also, as we talked about with the ad and the consumer spend here, it can still come down because ultimately, Amazon ran into a lot of problems as it relates to their plant and how they increased their warehouses that could still have a drag on overall performance. And so that's why we're seeing that this could be a bad print for Amazon. So once again, we're not that confident uh, it blowing it out as it has in the past. All right, we got shares of Boeing giving back early gains now. We have the debate and the trade next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Oh, we have some breaking news to tell you about from Washington. The Senate just passing the CHIPS bill 
That package includes roughly $52 billion in funding for U.S. companies to produce semiconductors and a provision that offers a tax credit for investment in chip manufacturing. It also provides funding to spur innovation and development of other U.S. technologies, a bill now heading to the House, something you've been looking and looking forward to and talking a lot about what this is ultimately going to mean. Uh, for companies in, in the space. Yeah, and it's kind of vital to my thesis that you know very well of supply chain onshoring. I mean, these, you know, Intel has delayed the groundbreaking of its $20 billion plant in Ohio, uh, the first of what's going to be a $100 billion investment uh, in the country until this, until this bill passes. So now it goes to the House. This is an opportunity for Washington, D.C. to not shoot itself in the foot. Okay, and that's what it would be if this doesn't pass. Shooting itself in the foot. These plants that have been announced to be built here in the country will go to Europe and elsewhere if we don't get this if this uh, bill passed. Okay. Um, speaking of shooting itself in the foot, Boeing. Let's talk Boeing. It's another big earnings mover today. Phil LeBeau. He just spoke with the CEO, Dave Calhoun. What did he tell you, Phil? Uh, well, what he told us during Squawk Box was that they're pretty optimistic about where the, pl- the uh, company is at and where it's headed in terms of stability and production. But then the analyst call happened, and it just wrapped up last hour. And if you take a look at shares of Boeing intraday, you see that the stock moved lower. It is now off of its lows of the session. But the reason it moved lower is because the company said it is unlikely to deliver as many 737 maxes as it originally intended when they made their guidance at the beginning of the year. It's going to be close closer to 400 as opposed to closer to 500, which is what they said at the beginning of this year due to the supply chain, due to the flow of planes that are in inventory that need to come out. And remember, they're still not delivering those built but not yet delivered planes to China. So when you look at the second quarter, the EPS and the revenue miss on the top and the bottom line. They took $240 million in defense charges. Now, the good news is that commercial deliveries are rising, and the company posted much better than expected operational and free cash flow. Here's Dave Calhoun talking about where Boeing is right now. Things look a lot better for us, a little more predictable on a lot of fronts. Um, we have CERT activity going on with our airplanes. We're confident and feel good about how that's going. The FAA relationship has been constructive. So these are all things that are favorable for us in thinking about our move forward. Just take a look at shares of Boeing versus its competitor, Airbus. Keep in mind that Boeing does not have as large of a backlog as Airbus. It has 4,200 in its backlog. But Dave Calhoun says, look, I'm not in a race to see who has a bigger backlog. I'm in a race to see who can be as profitable as possible and that Boeing can be as profitable as possible. So from his perspective, they took some big steps in the second quarter towards improving and moving towards free cash flow, positive free cash flow. And that's one reason why the stock was up earlier today. But again, that new guidance on the 737 is the reason the shares under a little bit of pressure. Scott? All right, Phil, we appreciate that very much. So obviously I go to Jim Leventhal. You've been all mad at Calhoun, right, for months. I apologized. I'm going to apologize again. He's got you a heavy are? lift because he's got a heavy lift. He's changing a culture that is 20 years in the making, and it goes back to the acquisition of McDonnell Douglas. There's been a long history of CEOs at this company who have, who have engaged in unethical behavior, and that's in the public record. This guy is a straight shooter, and he's got a Herculean task that he is addressing. Now, as far as the share price, right, the reason it's down is because in the last two years, there have been many, many disappointments. And this is a stock that people are saying, we're not going to give you 
credit for the good things you say are going to happen until they actually happen. We are going to give you negative points for something like guiding down the 737 MAX deliveries. However, here's where the good news could come in. All right, could. All right, I don't want to be Charlie Brown missing the football as Lucy pulls it away, but 787 delivery reauthorization by the FAA should happen sort of any day now. He wouldn't put a date on it, but he really made it clear that they're very close. That is the win that Mr. Calhoun needs to, to change the tide and the tone around his management from what has been understandably terribly negative, but for which I'm going to give him credit for the good things he's doing. He needs to get that 787 reauthorization you are, soon. You apologized for the fact that you said months ago, and I Last remember quarter. we were sitting on the... I was mad. Yeah. You said he should be fired. I was mad. You know what? They're, yeah, I'm not, you all right, you're trying to get me going. You're going to do it because I remember what happened last quarter. I'm just reminding right? everybody about why you're apologizing. You said on TV that Calhoun should be fired. He should lose his job. Yeah. Now you're cool with him. Yeah, I made a mistake when I said that. Is he doing a good job? I actually think he is doing a good job. You, you got to remember what we're talking. Hang on, hang on, Steve. We'll get to you in a second. All right. What really ticked me off last quarter was that billion-dollar charge on Air Force One. It's and you know what? This is one of the first quarters in a long time that you didn't have some incredible charge out of the blue on Air Force One job, or the KC Forty Six. How could you say management's doing a good job? If because he's got a task it's that is measured in longer than quarters. He's got a culture change that he's doing there. Weiss, you sold it, right? You were back into it. For yeah. some unbeknownst reasons for most it. people, but you sold it. Well, most people, if they, if they listened to what I said, it was a momentum trade. It happened to have worked out. It caught the momentum of the market and of Boeing. But, but uh, look, my feed broke up for a second, so I couldn't tell if that was Forrest Gump talking about Boeing or if that was Jim Labenthal, uh, even though I confuse the two often. But look, let's, David Calhoun is not new. He was chairman of the board. He presided over this destruction of the company as a board member. Because remember, they're the ultimate answer. They've missed virtually every quarter. And yes, he should be fired. If he were fired, I'd buy the company. I'd buy the stock because he's held it back. So every representation he's made, including going back three years ago about the max being ready to go back, has been incorrect. So I don't understand. I'm with Joe. I don't understand why you think management's doing such a good job when he's the same management as the old management. All right, so you go, if, if he were fired, you'd buy the stock and you'd sell it two days later, which is your M.O. You know, depending on who they brought in. Scott, Steve, Steve. That, I mean, Jim, Steve. that's entirely unfair. That's entirely it's unfair. Entirely I've got more positions. But I do ma- Jim, hold on. Hold on. all of the stuff comment, that you said to Jim was risk. on the level. I manage right. risk. <laughs> Look, let's have I a civil conversation. Let's Jim. leave all the BS on the side. And let's just have a real conversation about Boeing shares. They're either good to own today or they're not. All right, you guys you, can take you your line. nonsense to the sandbox no, after the show. I totally Seriously. agree. Let's not do the nonsense. Let's analyze the stock. I was on the call, all right? I, I analyzed this stock, and I'm telling you the fact that there was positive operating cash flow, free cash flow was $800 million better than expectations. That is a positive. That is a win. They are not getting credit for it because of where management stands right now in terms of the public's eye. That will change if they get the 787 delivery authorization. I don't want to go toe-to-toe with somebody who's in and out of the stock every day and not really doing the deep dive analysis. You've got your opinion. You're welcome to it. I'm going to do the analysis from which I draw conclusions. Okay. Hey, hey, congratulations. Keep it out of the gutter for about two seconds there, Jim. I do do my analysis, as you know, and it's kept me from losing the money you've lost in the stock. So thank you. Goodness.
Goodness, goodness, What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> you guys both need a timeout. All right, still ahead. We have the trade on another earnings mover, Chipotle. It's surging 15%. Halftime's back right after this. I'm Bertha Coombs. Welcome back to The Half. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Former Minneapolis police officer Jay Alexander King has been sentenced to three years in prison for violating George Floyd's civil rights when he was killed two years ago. After testing negative and ending his COVID isolation, President Biden came to the Rose Garden this morning to highlight the benefits of boosters, at-home testing and new treatments like Pfizer's Paxlovid. When my predecessor got COVID, he had to get helicoptered to Walter Reed Medical Center. He was severely ill. Thankfully, he recovered. When I got COVID, I worked from upstairs to the White House and the offices upstairs and uh, for the, that five-day period. The difference is vaccinations, of course, but also three new tools, free to all and widely available. You don't need to be president to get these tools to used for your defense. And minutes ago, the judge in Steve Bannon's contempt of Congress trial declined to acquit him, but is asking Bannon's lawyers for more information to support their request to dismiss the charges instead because the defense wasn't able to call members of the January 6th committee as witnesses. Scott? Okay. Bertha Coombs, thank you so much. Let's talk shares of Chipotle surging post-earnings beat. That uh, they were able to offset an increase in cost with several rounds of price hikes, which is one of the things, Joe, that you have liked the most about this one. You bought it back, and you're up already 20% since you bought it back. I, I am, and, and this is a classic example of how you can invest in a company because Joe T owns Chipotle, and then you could trade around the company when it cheapens, which is exactly what I did just a few weeks back. Joe T being your, the ETF, just for those who don't know. Correct, right? which will rebalance and reconstitute on Friday, so we'll okay. have a lot to talk about on Monday. Okay. But Brian Nickel has just done a fantastic job with this company, and this is an example I think, Scott, you said this yesterday on, on Overtime. There are companies, they will have an idiosyncratic story in which they're able to navigate through this challenging environment for the consumer. And this is exactly what Chipotle is doing. They have pricing power. They have pricing power. You see it in the strength of their margins. Their guidance was confident. This is a company that, without question, is best in class. And if you want consumer discretionary exposure, it's one of the names that I believe you need to own. Joe, I believe everything you said. Sure. Here's an honest question, not pointed. Why this huge of a premium to its competitors? I mean, you've got to admit, this premium, this is like an Amazon Pricing. premium. Pricing. You, so, does it make you uncomfortable, the size no, of this no, no, premium? No. Think, think about it, though. They, they come in at a significant discount in terms of the product offering relative to a Shake Shack relative to Cadoba, relative to Moe's. So their competitors are all having to raise price significantly more, and yet they're losing the traffic. Chipotle is actually gaining traffic and talked about that. $5 gasoline in June, Chipotle gained traffic. I mean, if you don't, it would seem to me that if you're going to get a premium multiple, it would be for all the reasons that Joe said I, I, listen, justified. I mean, if Joe's you have the ability monster. to raise prices more than one time, now you can raise them until you can't. 
but if they have a proven ability to do so, and I think the conversation we had yesterday in overtime was also about, you know, operators. A lot of people are in the same boat with inflation. Right. It's the better operators that have an ability to somehow navigate through turbulent times um, better than others. Correct. Absolutely. Your point, too, is that there's a premium for nickel 100%. in the stock, too. 100%. Okay. Lululemon shares are higher today. They're still 40% off recent highs. A bearish note today is out on that stock. We'll tell you what it is. Debate it next. It's our call of the day. We're back. I want to show you shares of Lululemon today. There they are. They're up. Despite the fact that Jefferies has reiterated their underperformed call, they say, quote, we recommend selling shares now before it's too late. Joe Terranova, you own it. Price target 200 represents 30 percent downside. Why is it now the time to sell? OK, well, first of all, let, let me tell you exactly where I will be wrong. I have a stop in place at 250. That's below the May 25th low. I am in this stock slightly above there in the days that followed that low. Now, why do I think you stay in the company? Because on the last earnings report, they acknowledged the slowdown in China. They said, well, 20% of our stores are already closed. But guess what? The revenue there was up by double digits. So they're, they're, they're exhibiting resiliency in terms of mainland China. I understand the challenge that Adidas has with China. But I think Lululemon is in a different position there. Footwear has been disappointing. I agree with the Jefferies analyst. Did a good job in highlighting that. Don't disagree with that at all. But I think ultimately where this stock is right now is that it will trade in line with what the market's going to do. The market is recovering right now. If we see further recovery in the market, there's no reason to get out of this stock until you hear from the company at the end of the summer in the next earnings Well, report. their point is get out now while you can before you wait until it's too late. Until the consumer, I mean, you mentioned China. Mm-hmm. You don't mention anything about the potential slowdown of consumer spending here hitting the higher end, which Lulu is. Right now, it's not. The thought is it might. And if it does, and when it does, it's already going to be reflected in the stock. It's going to be too late to get out. Yeah, I, I mean, hearing you, it makes me think about Apple's report tomorrow night and why that's so important, because I think you get a little bit of an insight towards the higher end consumer. But I I don't anticipating what might ultimately occur. I understand trading around that. All right. uh, But I still think there's enough resiliency in what this company is exhibiting in the strength of balance sheet that you stay with it. All right. Final trades are next. Man, do we have a big show in overtime tonight. Jeffrey Gunlock exclusive to react to what the Fed does and what Jay Powell says. And then Meta, Qualcomm, Ford, earnings, the reaction, the analysis, the stock moves. You cannot afford to miss any of that. Let's do final trades now. Degas, final trade from you first, please. Yes, we like Enterprise Products Partners. 50,000 miles of pipeline transporting natural gas and uh, diesel with a 7% dividend yield. All right, thank you for that. Steve Weiss. Devon Energy, it's 50-50 net gas and, and oil. Management's phenomenal. I used to own it in the past. Bought it back about two weeks ago. Net gas is going to continue to go up in price. I believe in what Mark Fisher's saying. Love that analysis. Okay, thank you. Uh, Joey T. I'm going to stay with my NVIDIA position, which I bought a few weeks back, even though we're seeing significantly higher momentum. No time to sell. All right. Farmer Jim. 
I am long my new position in ExxonMobil, Scott. I'm also long my friendship with Steve Weiss. <laughs> As Weiss apparently is questioning it. Well, he's, he's on the other Winter, side of every trade know. I've got. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You guys, you're all good. Come on. For me. Yeah, yeah For me. we are good friends. Good friends. Okay. Liz. Consumer discretionary, I think it's the growth sector that leads us back out of this bear market. All right, again, I'll see you in overtime. This huge earnings and, of course, the reaction to the Fed with Jeffrey Gundlach. The exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.